Get to the church, blind! Get to the church, blind! Go! Now! I'm Pete Mitchell, and he's Peyton Jones, and you're listening to Hardcore Church Planning, the companion podcast for the Church Planner Podcast and Church Planner Magazine. Each week, we'll bring you interviews from planners who are in the trenches making it happen right now. These active church planners bear it all, share their successes, their failures, and what they'd wish they'd known when they were first starting out. Listen in to discover how God is working in their church plan. Jeez, I gotta take a leak so bad I can taste it. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Hey, church planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. Coming to you for an episode of Hardcore Church Planting. <laughs> hardcore, hardcore, go, ah. go hardcore, go home. Oh, <laughs> just just get a growl in there, and it sounds like yeah. it's hardcore church planning. Hey, no so more. we don't normally get to do any smack talk on hardcore because it's our serious podcast. I should say our our serious ish podcast. Serious, sir. And uh, so, uh, why don't you just go ahead and introduce our guest? And uh, so I think he's got my, a great story that he's going to share, right? He has an amazing story. And uh, he actually he had to preface it by appealing to our friendship and asking forgiveness before he told it. And the, the, the guest in question is none other than Jerry McCarty. And Jerry is a serial church planner. He is an apostle at large. He is a ninja planner. He travels the world. He is literally a globe trotter. He's a young guy. Uh, 20 something years old. Uh, he's, I mean, really, um, he is, uh, a guy who travels all around, serves churches apostolically. Uh, but I use that word because, uh, Jerry's a young dude. He doesn't, uh, think very much of himself, but, uh, he is a really, really cool dude. He's got a lot of stories. He is one of the, probably one of the best storytellers I've ever heard. And I preface that because, uh, he makes me laugh. He is a master of telling you stories that are going to make you laugh. But uh, Jerry is on today. He is a part of New Breed. We haven't figured out what exactly to call him yet. Maybe a global Avenger, but he travels the globe and uh, helps guys plant churches and serve their city. And uh, he does actually work with an organization uh, based out of Belgium in Europe called Serve the City. And uh, the world is his pulpit. So, Jerry, welcome on to Hardcore Church Planning. Uh, thank you very much. So normally we have a, uh, a serious question before we get started with our, our interview, but uh, we're actually going to hold that one off for a little bit so you can tell us this great story that we've been all wanting to hear about. So I don't know, Peyton, how you want to <laughs> introduce the story, but uh, I'll let Jerry introduce it. It's still a bit bit painful. <laughs> awesome. Well, on Saturday I was visiting a friend at Biola University, and while I was on my way back, I was driving down the highway, and I needed to get gas. And I saw a little sign that said Disney Way. I figured if I'm going to drive around somewhere looking for a gas station, why not Disney Way? And so as I'm going around uh, this little area, I, I realize something. Something dawns on me, and that is I am in the exact place that the biggest Star Wars celebration that has ever happened is going on. And as I'm driving, I am driving by stormtroopers and Ewoks and 
Jedi and all these people walking down the street. And it's just like, I'm in awe of seemingly randomly just ending up getting gas at the closest gas station to the Star Wars celebration. And so as I'm getting gas, I see some guys walking by and I'm like, hey, what's going on? Has this been sold out? And uh, the guys are like, yeah, it's sold out, but there's a ton of really cool stuff going on over there. You should totally check it out. So I was like, all right. So I parked about a mile away and I start heading over there. And I'm just pretty excited because I'm a pretty big Star Wars fan. And just that it so happened that the place I was pulling off to get gas ends up being the biggest Star Wars celebration that has ever happened right after the new trailer was just released at this very convention. I was pretty pumped. So as I'm walking around, I see the convention center. I'm like, you know what? Let me just go in. Let me just check out what's going on there. I know it's been sold out and tickets are expensive anyway. Let me just check it out. And as I'm inside, I'm looking and I see that there's a way that I could legitimately sneak into this. There is a door that people are exiting and there's a way you can definitely get in without being noticed. And I'm just looking at that door and I have this, this crisis in my heart where I am just driven to prayer and I start praying and I'm like, I'm like, God, if you have brought me this far to the star Wars celebration, I'm just going to have to say that I got to do this the right way. I can't go through that door, even though I can see on the other side, there's just, joyous people celebrating Star Wars, waving their lightsabers around. I will not go through that door unless I have a pass. And so I walked outside and after I, after I was praying that prayer, talking to the Lord about it, a couple immediately walks out and I look at them and I say, Hey, what's going on? Are you guys uh, leaving the convention? And they're like, yeah, we're done for the day. I'm like, Oh, so, uh, would you mind if I uh, got your pass or are you looking to hang on to it as a souvenir? And the guy pulls out the pass from his pocket and looks at it, looks over at me, then hands it over and says, have a great time, buddy. Okay. Okay. Now, <laughs> now, now let me just interject here. Um, this is what's known in Jedi circles as Jedi power force persuasion. <laughs> which Jerry possesses in crazy amounts. And I've got two of his ministry partners here with me. I, I affectionately call them my barnacles, although I came up with a, a better name, the Zeros, but uh, that, that, that apparently went down a notch. So, um, but, but, the re- <laughs> but the reality is I've been told that Jerry can look at you a certain way and make you do almost anything he wants. And, and the funny thing is about church planning is that, that is part of the church planner skill set where it's not a manipulation, but it's literally uh, almost like a spiritual gift where you are able to just get people enthused and excited about things. When Jerry first wrote me, he sent me this picture of him and about 30 or 40 people dressed like Avengers, like the Avengers, like with everyone in the Avengers universe, just boom. And I'm like, and I remember thinking, who is this guy? Who gets 30 to 40 people at a church in a ministry? This was a, a, a mission that he was a part of. And, and so Jerry has that. So I'm going to step back again. We'll come back to that stuff. But uh, <laughs> there we go. That's part of the apostolic gifting right there. There's more to this story. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a lot of fun. 
Yeah, so so I, I I take this badge, I look up, give the Lord one of the biggest thank yous <laughs> that I've given in a in a while, and just head right in confidently, showing the doorman my badge that I have all access to the Star Wars celebration. So I walk in, I'm in awe because there's all sorts of cool things everywhere. And it's towards the end of the day. So there's no lines. Like you can go and take pictures in like a set of the Millennium Falcon at the little table where where they were playing that game. And uh, you can go and sit. And as I'm in line, a guy that looks exactly like old Ben Kenobi is walking by. And I'm like, dude, can you come take this picture with me sitting at the table? And he stays in character and he just looks at me. He's like, what if everybody else is okay with it? And I was like, yes, please just come take this picture. So I get a picture with old Ben Kenobi on the Millennium Falcon. It's awesome. And so I head back to the area where they normally do autographs and the whole convention is like starting to close down now and there's no lines. And so I just get, go right up, get a couple pictures. I saw the guy who, uh, who plays, uh, uh, Boba Fett got a picture of him. Uh, then I met the guy who plays Admiral Akbar. Got to shake his hand. Got some pictures with this guy, and just went around and, and was meeting people. So it was pretty incredible. And there's a lot more I could say, but I'll just say this: when I was about to leave, I was talking to this woman, and she said, "Hey, did you know on the top floor right now they're doing a giant showing of Return of the Jedi?" And I was like, "You got to be kidding me." This is how the night is going to end. So I head up there and there are over a thousand seats and people had been waiting hours to get in and they had actually just finished Empire Strikes Back. And so some people had left and weren't going to watch Return of the Jedi. And so I just walk in and I look in the front row and there's an empty seat. And I look at the guy who's sitting next to him like, is anybody sitting there? And he's like, go for it, man. Best seat in the house. (laughs) So out of all these thousand chairs and people waiting for hours in line, the whole night caps off with sitting in the front row watching Return of the Jedi with the most enthusiastic crowd that I've ever seen a movie with in my life who cheered for like every single character as they appeared on screen. So that was my Star Wars celebration, seemingly random experience. I, I would just uh, – I, I would only say that I've actually seen a movie with, I think, a more enthusiastic crowd than probably what you experienced. It was when I was in Long Beach, and my wife and I went to go see Dude, Where's My Car? I'm just saying it, it was a pretty outrageous crowd. That I, I got to tell you, man, I'm pretty jealous about that. I remember when Peyton goes, did you hear that Jerry went to Star Wars Celebration? I'm like, what? I think I'm still – I think I'm still reeling from it because it was a surprise. Like I didn't plan on going there at all. And so I, I think I'm still, uh, still in shock a little bit, honestly. I'm, I'm still reeling from it. <laughs> well, we should actually get into hardcore church planning as we're not supposed to technically have, uh... <laughs> we're not supposed to smack talk on this pod. This is our podcast. It's 30 minutes long. We have an interview. And uh, we're a few minutes in, just a few, but uh, it was for a worthy cause. If if you don't identify with Jedi, uh, then that means you're a Sith Lord and you're evil and you need to rethink your, uh, you definitely don't want to be a church planner. You, you, you want to maybe go get a job at a really big church, like, you know, the Empire, become a Sith Lord and um, 
decide to take over the universe. But yeah. uh, otherwise, if you're a Jedi, you're called the planet church. That's, that's my philosophy anyways. Oh, yeah. Well, let's actually <laughs> get into the, uh, the actual uh, meat of this interview. So, Jerry, why don't you tell us how you came to faith? That's how we always like to start off uh, the podcast. Of course, this time we started off with Star Wars. But now that we're into the serious part, how did you come to faith? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, growing up, my uh, father was a pastor. And uh, for, you know, the, the first part of my life, we um, went around and we actually did church planting um, in Illinois and New Jersey. And uh, at a young age, um, I remember praying and uh, asking Jesus into my heart and uh, growing up. It just, it always really meant something to me. I, I remember that. I remember it wasn't something I looked back at and said, eh. Like it, it always really did mean something to me. And um, I just remember there were moments that uh, my parents kind of helped coach me through that were just a lot more serious for me, like taking communion or baptized. And, uh, and faith was always very serious for me. But I would say one of the biggest points in my life where things just took a massive shift is uh, after high school, I went to a discipleship program called the Rockford Master's Commission. And while you're there, pretty much the way the day is set up is that before you do anything else, any classes, any practical ministry training, you have two hours that you just spend in prayer with God. And there's not really much instruction that comes as a preface to it. It just happens. And so when I went into that first, I'm looking around and I'm seeing all these people pray so passionately. And I had no clue what I could possibly pray about for more than five or 10 minutes. Like I would make a list of every person I knew I could pray for and I would pray for them and then be done and just sit around or not be sure what to do. And I remember during that time, the Lord challenged me just in such a personal way to press into him. And he taught me, he taught me uh, through the spirit, how to pray, how to talk to him, how to fellowship with him and not just monologue and just say a lot of things at him. And uh, that, that definitely was one of the biggest uh, kind of spiritual formation parts of my life. Um, right? I really just felt like I got to know who God was and got to spend time with him every single morning. And so for the three years of uh, ministry training and getting a lot of cool opportunities, definitely the biggest impact on my life was just that time I got to spend with the Lord every morning. So I guess the uh, the most appropriate follow-up question to that is, how did the wheels come off and things go downhill and you end up working with Peyton? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I've been doing missions work for several years, and uh, I got a really cool opportunity to work with uh, this organization called Serve the City. And uh, as I was preparing for that, it really kind of came from a heart of traveling around and doing uh, missions work and ministry very similar to what you see in the New Testament, what you see with Paul and the groups of people he would take out and people who do ministry like that, going to churches and encouraging them. And uh, the organization that I was working with missions-wise said, you know, that's not really something we're able to support. And uh, right when I was having that conversation with them about it not being a good fit, um, honestly, the Lord just reminded me of Newbreed. Uh, I just felt Newbreed just kind of came straight to the forefront of my mind in that conversation. And uh, I was like, well, let me give Peyton a call. And it worked out to be able to spend 
the last couple of months out here with them and, and uh, work with Newbreed. Hmm. Tell us a little bit about uh, what Serve the City is and, and uh, how that works. Yeah, so Serve the City is an opportunity for uh, volunteers within a city to really show kindness in practical ways uh, by serving those in need. And so that can be in very simple ways that a lot of people can participate in um, in many different forms. So it could be like sports, meals, uh, beauty, um, arts, uh, any, any way that really helps build a relationship with those who are in need within a city. And so the way we try to phrase it is like this, is that when you look at cities, you see that there's lines that just separate people uh, who kind of have and have not. And so those people may be homeless, may be elderly, may be victims of abuse, may be refugees. And what we say is that we want to cross those lines. And we want to cross those lines by building relationships with those people by serving and loving on them in simple ways. Um, and really where we try to take it from there is kind of say when we're looking at our city and we look and we see these people who are in need, uh, our, our motto has become we know them by their needs. What if we knew them by their name? And that is really our motivation when we go into a city and we start saying, how can we do this? How can we start serving in practical ways? What's already happening in here that we can jump in and start serving those who are in need? That's amazing, man. And that's so profound. Um, that is, in fact, what happens. You know, we're in an inner city context. And one of the things that we constantly say is we don't feed the homeless because we eat, you know, before the service. And it started with us finding out that uh, the, the, the neighborhood, the kids only ate once a day. So the school started serving breakfast. And so we, we said, well, let's just slot in with that. It's the weekend, you know, then there's only one day where that's not covered. And so people come and they're like, hey, so you guys feed the homeless. And we always, first off, it's not homeless. It's actually people living in the apartment communities. Um, homeless people come, but that wasn't our motivation. But uh, in, in the end, uh, what we had to start saying to people is, no, we eat breakfast as a family. And mm -hmm. it, it takes away that paternalism that we are here, uh, you primal medieval heathen savages, you know, and we have come with the gospel. It, it eliminates the paternalism, the uh, white man's burden. And it literally means, no, we come alongside you and we're just people. And so that whole motto about what if we knew their names? That's so powerful, man. Mm -hmm. tell, tell us yeah. some of the stories that you've had um, in as you've gone. Um, what, what are some of the, like, I know you've been in Asia, you've been in Europe. What does it look like when you roll into a church in, in, in Asia? What, what happens? Give us some stories. Yeah, definitely. Well, last year, uh, a young man and I, uh, were able to go around to several different cities and, uh, different countries around the world and, uh, and meet with people and kind of engage in this conversation. They have heard about serve the city, maybe by going through Brussels or one of the other, uh, cities in our network and say, uh, we, we want to see what this looks like in our home city. And so uh, this young man, Donald Chandler, and I were sent out, and uh, we actually <laughs> spent the better part of last year uh, going around to 16 different countries um, and just helping engage with people in this conversation. And one of the places we ended up was in Ouagadougou, Burkina Faso in Africa. Mm. And uh, yeah. And it was definitely one of the most remote places 
uh, we ever went to, but we were working with some great people there. And uh, as we started engaging in this conversation, a young man came to us and said, you know, hey, I used to live on the streets. And what changed my life is that someone who was part of the church brought me in and discipled me. But here's the thing. I, I still have a relationship with and a connection to all these young men who live on the street. And they're scared of authority. They're scared of the cops. They're scared of uh, just other adults who are around. And so they stay up all night, sleep during the day in different crevices of the city. And we need to do something to engage with these young men. And he's like, here are some ideas. And so we engaged with that ideas. And we took this young man who was talking to us, brought him to the other leaders we were working with. And together, we were able to facilitate a conversation and say, what would it look like to start serving these young men? And what would it look like to start uh, being able to engage in relationship with them? And we discovered that the way that would work is by playing soccer. That soccer would be a way that they'd be willing to come out and, and actually trust the people that they, they were interacting with. Wow. Where if we were to hold like a concert or something, the, the guy was like, nope, they won't come to that. Or if you have kind of, some kind of service, they won't come out to that. They're like, but if you play a soccer game, if you get that together, they'll all come out and they'll have a great time with everybody. And so after really talking that over with the group, um, that's what they started doing. They started holding these soccer games and inviting these men who live on the, these young boys who lived on the street to come out and they started engaging and building relationships with them um, in, in hopes of developing the same kind of uh, story that this young man was telling us about in his life. Wow. That's amazing. You know, Jerry, you mentioned something. Um, you, you wrote it on a whiteboard on one of our Monday morning sessions, and you talked about a model that churches often to reach our community use. And you had three points, and you said what, what we've learned to do is turn that backwards. Can you um, mm-hmm. kind of talk about that a little bit? Yeah, Serve the City uh, really was started from a church planting group in Brussels, Belgium, called The Well. And as the well was engaging uh, Brussels and talking over, you know, what is our responsibility as a community to be a presence here within the community, um, the normal progression that they think through is, if you could think of three circles, the first circle really being uh, a personal faith is, you know, really what we try to engage people with is, is personally. The second circle that we try to then move into is uh like a, a church community faith that we're participating in community together. And then what happens from there after we're in community together is that we're able to engage on mission together. We're able to go and serve. And that's really uh, the common progression that we kind of aim for uh, with the church. And so when the well was thinking through this, they were like, well, what if we had an organization that looked at the same three circles, but approached it the opposite way? And that's really one of the ways that Serve the City came together, is that they said, you know what, people are a lot more likely to engage with the mission of God than sometimes they are with the message of God. And so what if we invited the city to join us on mission, to join us in building relationships and serving the poor and bringing people together? And that is how the city responded. They started going to schools, to volunteer clubs, and mobilizing people, bringing people together. And they started joining in this mission of serving others. And from there, they saw that people were doing that regularly and forming community. And they started working backwards. So from mission, they found community. 
And within that community of people who are constantly living out the love of God, living it out by action, they started to discover a personal faith in Him. And so they looked at that progression that the church normally takes, and they saw how Serve the City could approach the same three important values, but just coming from the opposite direction. Let me ask you something, um, Jerry. What What is it about uh, church planting that has has really kind of like driven you? Uh, and, and I mean, all this stuff that you're doing on mission and church planting, where did that overriding passion come from in connection with all that? Yeah, I think the, the big thing for me is um, really just to reference back while I was talking before with just when I was in master's commission and really learning what a real relationship with God every day, walking in his spirit looks like. Um, I felt one of the big things that God really placed in my heart is diving into the greatest commandment and what that looks like to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the more I started diving into that, I felt like the Lord was showing me a little bit more of what it looks like, how I can love other people as myself. And that there was like a progression to that. And so my heart, like that wasn't like a, uh, like a, just a brain learning thing for me that really became a fire for me. And I, I could say that in just <laughs> in confidence, that became something for me where I wanted to help lead other people into experience a deeper relationship with Jesus they were loving them, loving him more and more with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And uh, as I started doing this, um, I just noticed that there was kind of a, a harmonizing desire in my heart to go and bring people to different cultures and uh, engage with people and start having this conversation together. And uh, along the way, meeting Serve the City and seeing how they did things, it just felt like that was kind of the Lord putting it all together right in order in my life to be able to have kind of... Uh, I would illustrate as like an overflow of really engaging with the Lord, loving him with everything we've got and seeing how he overflows his love into the people around us. Hmm. That's awesome, man. And and I know personally from discussions with you, we do these things called cage matches and we, you know, we, we unpacked, you know, what is the church? What is, and it's where we lock ourselves in a room and uh, we get a whiteboard or in my case, I have chalkboards all over my walls. Um, and we draw it out and we look at it and, you know, you made me think because for me, everything is hinged on mission. And, um, I remember you saying, yeah, but there's a point at which, um, we can get people engaged on mission and they're, they're being enticed into the presence of God because, you know, the, the, the mission takes you frontline to where the Holy Spirit is. I believe the presence of God is largely on uh, the front lines. And people say, I want to experience more of the Holy Spirit. I tell them, we'll go out on the front lines and you'll find it there. But I remember you kind of giving a little caveat. It really affected me. It made me think it opened up my mind a bit um, because I'm apostolically wired. And, you know, you were very much, even though you're apostolic, your big blade is, is that of a shepherd. And so you're always wanting to carry the people, you know, kind of nurture their heart and their faith. And so uh, elaborate a little bit on that. Yeah, sure. I, I think just working with people and just seeing in my in my own life, just the importance that there is just a heart for God and getting to know Him. And I've seen a lot of people being able to engage on mission and experience God, experience His presence. And a lot of times if they're not in a setting where that's continuing, 
um, then that becomes something that was either just an experience rather than a relationship with him. And so for me, I I just still see that, that overflow of the Lord and loving him as full as we are, we are able to, um, it's just that overflow into the rest of our lives. And that is what is uh, really equipping us for mission, um, is his love in our hearts that we're able to authentically show to those around us. And uh, I think it's, I think it's hand in hand. I don't think it's, it's either one at all. Um, I think, uh, just our relationship with God just overflows into uh, the mission that he sends us on. That's awesome, man. So, you know, um, look, uh, one, one of the things that, uh, that we've talked about, and um, I'm going to just kind of make a point here, and then Pete has a burning question for you. Um, I, I, I want to I just, you know, kind of point out to the church planner who's out there who wants to go hardcore, uh, you know, reach the lost, go after, you know, really go for it like Paul did. Um, that uh, a lot of the stuff that's marketed right now in church planning um, is kind of like the equivalence of the chariots and, and horses of old, where you go into battle and you think, you know, like David said, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we will trust in the Lord. And I think as a church planner, you you need to always have that. Like David said, you know, I have set the Lord always before me, therefore I shall not be moved. Though a thousand fall on my right and my left, I will stand for the Lord is with me. Uh, My shield, my, you know, he goes on. He is focused on the person of Jesus. And so little of what we're hearing coming out of uh, the church planning circles is is what's infiltrated a lot of the mega church movement. Hey, pastor, you want to be big? You want to go mega? Hey, come to, come to this seminar that will tell you, and there's nothing wrong with webinars, seminars. Uh, Pete and I do those, but the message often is here's the silver bullet and it's anything but what the, what the book of Acts had. And that's the Holy Spirit. I, I beat this drum all the time. In fact, I'm going to shut up because I think I beat the crud out of it on our last hardcore church planning. But, but again, I watch guys like you, Jerry. I watch guys on the front lines. I watch guys infiltrating communities where that stuff doesn't even exist in most of the world. Those tricks, uh, those tricks of the trade, those tools that we're being told is going to really turn it around doesn't exist. And when a guy gets on a plane, travels to the other side of the world, armed only with the Holy Spirit, those are the guys I watch. I watch the planners in Africa. I watch them in China. I watch all these guys. And those are the people I learn from. So Jerry, man, Thanks for coming on the program today. It's been awesome to have you, but Pete's got a question for you. Well, our, our usual uh, ending question is this. Uh, Jerry, if you were to get into a fist fight with Peyton Jones, who would win? <laughs> it's the first time that oh, one's come man. up, but I knew he was going there. I knew it. <laughs> oh, man. Well, <laughs> Okay, so here's the thing. Uh, the remember, way remember I this is this is smack talk at the end now, so you can smack yeah. talk it, brother. All right, so here we go. So if I were to if I were to imagine this fight, I, I definitely wouldn't imagine it as Peyton and I. I think it, I would imagine it as we would imagine ourselves. And so if if I were to think were to think how Peyton would imagine himself, it would probably be as like be as Batman, Ninja, Jedi guy. And I'm thinking that I'm just going to be Thor with the hammer. And uh, I'm sorry, Peyton, but I think the hammer would squash uh, 
Batman on that one. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I and I, I feel you. I understand the mistake that you've made. It's very it's a very common mistake. All I have to all I have to remind you of is the recent trailer that came out where Batman asks him, Superman that is, do you bleed? Because you will. <laughs> I guess we'll find out the true answer in 2016. All right, all right. Hey, ding, ding. Wait, wait for that fight. It will be posted, but uh, we'll see. We'll let the movie decide who wins. How about that? <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Hey, this has been Church. The oh, not Church. What is it? Oh my on, gosh! On. Hardcore Take Church planting. Remember, if you are called to church planting, go hardcore or go home. You've been listening to Hardcore Church Planning. Hardcore Church Planning has been brought to you by the Church Planner Podcast and the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the App Store for both Apple and Android devices. If you like this episode, leave us a positive review. If you didn't like this episode, we'll be happy to give you your money back. <laughs>